What's up, fam? You're about to hear a message from Hope Valley Church in Denver, Colorado. We are a new, Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible church and campus ministry in Denver, Colorado. Whether you've been walking with Jesus for like a day or a whole lifetime, we trust that this message will help you take your next steps to follow him. If you're in the Denver metro area, we would love for you to come and worship with us. You can check us out at our website at hvdenver.com to learn more. Also, don't forget to follow, like, subscribe, however you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Now, let's jump in. Uh, we're going to get into the Word today. We're continuing our series in Luke. Today, we made it to chapter 9. I know, I know, it's like, man, we're still in Luke. We started a year ago in the book of Luke. But things are going to pick up now because chapter 9 marks an interesting point in the ministry of Jesus where it was really Luke was trying to describe who Jesus was and what his ministry was like. But here in chapter 9, you're going to see a pivot in the story, and it picks up speed towards the cross. And so we'll see even at the end of chapter 9, uh, Jesus is saying his eyes were set towards Jerusalem. And so Jesus, he, he's pivoting from, and, and Luke's version of Jesus' ministry is pivoting from just knowing Jesus and seeing the remarkable things that Jesus is doing to now seeing how Jesus is working to include other people in his great mission. And so that's what we're going to see today. I, I had several titles for today's sermon. One of them was like haters and healers. One was haters going to hate. But I decided not to focus so much on the hate. Um, and so that sermon title's gone. And I just went with my first point. Jesus called them together. And so I think what's beautiful about this is it fits so well with what Aaron's exhortation was as she prayed us out of worship. That it's about we, not me. And we see that in this passage that we're about to read. And, um, is, is Wayne, are you present? Can you, can you help us with that? Go ahead and come on up. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 9 verses 1 through 9. And, and what, what we're going to see here is Jesus sending out the first group of disciples and inviting them in to participate in the ministry, not just watch it happen. Luke, oh, go ahead and stand to your feet because participation is better than? Yes, it is. So um, you can read along with him. It's nine verses, two slides, pretty straightforward. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff nor bag, nor bread nor money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, When you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard all that was happening, and he was perplexed, because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead, by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the prophets of old had risen. Herod said, John, I beheaded. But who is this about who I am hearing such things? And he sought to see him. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would illuminate our hearts with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Wayne. You can go be be seated. 
I want to highlight a couple things about this passage so that we can understand what's happening. Just because one of my great goals for all of my preaching is not just to inspire you or educate you, but one of my greatest passions is hopefully to cultivate some appetite for you to be like, hey, I want to learn more about this. Or, or kind of the realization that, oh, I can read my Bible too. And uh, so I try and share different observations to bring you in on the kinds of questions that you can ask as you're reading scripture. And two things stood out to me in this week's passage. First, that uh, there's this person, Herod, who sought to see Jesus because of the miracles. Um, he, it says that Herod thought that maybe this person doing these miracles and, and leading this group of people was John. So if you recall from earlier in Luke, there was a man named John the Baptist. You might have heard of him, even if you're not from a church background. But John the Baptist uh, was beheaded by Herod. And so Herod's trying to figure out, like, oh, man, there's more miracles, there's more preaching, there's more teaching. The people are pretty stirred up. It, I wonder if it could be John again. Now, he's not thinking necessarily that John rose from the dead. That wasn't a thought that we really had uh, as something that could possibly happen. So it's more likely that Herod thought that maybe there was some sort of reincarnation occurring, right? Some sort of like soul transfer from John the Baptist into another person and then doing it. The, the, the resurrection, as we, as we talk about it in today's culture, is largely shaped by the Christian story of the resurrection of Jesus. Prior to the resurrection of Jesus, there wasn't much thought about anybody resurrecting from the dead. So, you know, it wasn't an idea that somebody would come back to life and rescue everybody. That's a, a story that was really told most boldly and most consistently by the people of God after the resurrection of Jesus. And so John the Baptist was actually still dead, but, John was trying, or, but, but Herod's trying to figure out what's happening. Now, the name Herod might be familiar because in Luke chapter 1 and 2, when we learn about the birth of Jesus, we learn about a man named Herod, a king, who tried to kill Jesus as a baby. So he, he found out because the Magi traveled and they were like, hey, there's a king that was born. And the king's like, wait, a king that was born? I'm the king. And if you know anything about kings, they have a problem with kings being born that aren't them. That aren't their, their children. And so Herod, the, Herod back then is a different, it's, it's this Herod's dad. Okay? That Herod, the Herod that sought to kill Jesus at the very beginning, was such a bad dude. He basically had, he was so nervous and so kind of finicky and so afraid and so insecure about the throne that he tried, well, he didn't try. He actually killed his family members, including his mother-in-law, uh, because he was afraid of a coup on the throne. Does that make sense? So that Herod, he got kicked out by Rome. So he was so bad that the, that the Jewish people and the Samaritans, who normally never get along, were like, hey, Caesar, this guy's got to go, or we're going to riot, we're going to revolt. And all Caesar wanted was for this community of people to be peaceful and just shut up and give them their money. Right? And so Caesar's like, okay, that Herod's out. But Herod's sons, three of them, took over, and one of them was over the area of Galilee. That's this Herod that we met today. This Herod was intrigued by Jesus for obvious reasons. He's got a following. He's doing miracles. Things are happening. But what's remarkable to me about this Herod is that as much as it sees, says that he sought to see Jesus, he actually made no effort to see Jesus, and he wouldn't even meet Jesus for another year and a half until Jesus was on trial before the, res before the crucifixion. Okay, so that's the only time that they're going to meet. So, you know, Herod, with all of his resources, with all of his authority, with all of his strength, it said that he sought to seek God, but he really didn't put much effort into it. Next week, Pastor Megan's preaching, and I'm really excited about that. She's going to talk about the feeding of the thousands. 
And in the feeding of the thousands, you had these people that followed Jesus into the wilderness. And yet Herod sits in his throne room and just kind of wants to see Jesus. Right? And I'm like, oh, man, sometimes I'm like that. I'm like, I can be a lot like Herod. It's like, I want Jesus so bad. But I kind of would rather just watch Netflix. I want Jesus so bad, but I also kind of just want to watch the World Cup. You tracking, right? And so, so I'm a lot more like Herod than I, than I like to think that I am. And maybe you are too. But today what I want to talk about is how Jesus called them together. He empowered them to serve. And then Jesus clarified their mission. First, that Jesus called them together. So the passage starts with Jesus calling the disciples together, which implies that maybe they were off doing different things in that moment. And he called them to himself. Now, this is maybe the most important part of the sermon. Because it's in the presence of Jesus that, that we can finally understand who we really are. There's a lot of self-actualization teaching out there about you've got to know yourself. But how can we know ourselves without knowing from whom we came? And more significantly than coming from my parents or coming from their parents and the generations that that lead before that, it's revealed in Genesis that we come from the heart of God. That you're not an accident. It'd be easy to think, I know people who think that their lives are accidents, either because they were orphaned or they were unwanted in some other way. They were told that they were an accident. They were told that their conception was an accident or the rest of their life was an accident. Maybe you have that story or maybe somebody you love or know has that story. But what the Bible teaches us is that none of us is an accident. That we're all made on purpose and with a purpose. And that's something that is revealed by God and through God that we can only get from God. And so he calls them together into himself. And so they come to him. And in the presence of God, it's an intimidating thing because all of our secrets are laid bare. And that's why we want to avoid it, isn't it? Right? We're like, oh, geez, I'm going to go to church and God's going to know things about me. Well, he already knew. Right? I, I've told, people have told me, they're like, I don't want to come to church. I'll burst into flames. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's not true. I'll introduce you to our staff. And <laughs> like, 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 it, if we've made it, you'll, you'll be all right. <laughs> but there's this fear that because we understand that God is all-powerful, that maybe he'll use his power against us instead of to our advantage and for our benefit. And so we're scared to come to God because our hearts are laid bare, but there is nothing more securing than being fully known and fully seen. There's nothing more securing in all the, in all the earth than being seen. I watched Avatar the other day. Uh, in preparation for the sequel. And they have this phrase, they say, I see you. I see you. And it didn't translate well to English. And I love words that don't translate well to English in in the story. But, But they're saying, I see you. It means I know you at your deepest places. I know you in the most significant of ways. You don't have to hide anything from me because I already see you. Have you ever been loved that way that somebody could look in your eyes and tell you, I see you? That's what Jesus does when we're in his presence. He sees us. Not only does does an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving God see us, but he gives us the opportunity also to see him. That is, that is what the whole Christmas miracle is about. That's what the incarnation is for. It's so that we can see the person of God in the flesh and really get to know him well. 
in the presence of God, not only are we seen, but he also reveals to us the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Now, when I talk about the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, I'm not, I'm not talking about something that can't be known. I'm talking about mysteries that can be revealed. I'm talking about knowing God's heart. God's heart doesn't have to be a mystery to us. I, I think many of us go around guessing, what is God's heart for me? What is God's intent for me? What is God's plan for humanity? What is God's, God, what is God's idea for, for the city of Denver? What is God's idea for Hope Valley? He wants to talk to us about those kinds of things. He wants to talk to you about not just what you do, but who you are. Because who you are fits into the kingdom of heaven in a special and unique way. And it's something that I think we look for other people to identify for us. And he's waiting for us to turn to him so he can talk to us about it. And I would hate for us to miss the opportunity to be told by God what his purpose is in the earth. Like this is Sunday mornings can be an echo of what he talks to you about during the week. It can be an echo of what you read in scripture this week or cracking open the Bible and, and, and studying maybe for the first time or, or stepping into like a, uh, stepping up and, and just reading your, uh, I'm sorry, and just praying before God or worshiping on your own time. Sunday mornings can echo that, but it can never replace it. Sometimes it'll be the catalyst to get you there. So it won't sound like an echo. It'll come first, but it'll push you in the direction of getting to know, trust, and follow Jesus. In the presence of God uh, on our own, our, the secrets of our heart are laid bare and the secrets of the kingdom are, are, are revealed to us. But also in the presence of God, uh, we're, we're called together. And I think this is the, the number one tragedy of the Christian church in the United States today is that we're trying to do it alone. So many of us try and live out this Christian life alone and then we're pissed that it's not working. Is that too visceral? God must be broken. Church must be broken. No, y'all, it's, it's our approach to church. It's our approach to God that's broken. And I, I want to celebrate you. You're, you're here. You're here. And that's beautiful. But, but what's, what's dangerous is you can be here but never become together. Right? What's dangerous is that, that in a city where the, the estimates are that it's 95 to 97% unchurched, so people just don't come to church. And, and we all know why. We'd rather not come to church sometimes, right? <laughs> we'd rather not that was a no amen there but I know you're amening in your heart don't worry about it don't worry about it I, I raised my hand there are days that we just would rather not right and we're filled in a city of people that would rather not because they haven't yet heard the invitation that it's to be together not alone now here's what happens when we're together I was actually at Stanley Marketplace yesterday and I was uh, I was like God give me give me somebody to talk to like give me somebody to invite because I love talking to people striking up conversations I don't have enough friendships just to invite my friends and so so I'm like God like give me somebody to invite and so I'm always walking around looking for somebody to talk to and so I had a conversation and I invited this couple to church and uh, Lewis and, and Tracy and they're amazing Lewis and Tracy uh, had a great conversation with them and we did that and then I went back to just sitting, and I, I was reading, and I was studying, and I was on this point, and I was like, what is the benefit of being together? I was literally asking God this question, and I was reflecting uh, before God in prayer, in Stanley Marketplace, and all that chaos. God, what is the benefit of being together? Could you help me? And Lewis goes, hey. He goes, you're not my age. He's a little older than me. He's in his mid-50s. And, and he goes, hey, you're not my age. He goes, I just want to say I'm impressed you could still read that. 
talking about my Bible, right? Because in and then I realized my eyes were real close to my to my <laughs> to my Bible, and and I was like, maybe I'm not seeing as well as I think I'm seeing, and and so I looked up and I laughed. I said, Yeah, I still got some eyesight left, but the Bible's getting closer and closer. He takes the glasses off of his head and he goes, Here, try these on. And I was like, You know, we just met. Like we're like we're like three minutes into our relationship. And so he hands me his glasses and he says, hey, put these on. And I put them on. And if those words didn't just jump off the page and get so big and so clear, I was so mad. I was like, oh, you're not my friend anymore. You're not invited to church anymore. <laughs> I need reader glasses. I was, like, I was like, oh, no, I'm getting that kind of old. Like, I knew church planting was going to do it. It got grays coming in, the hair's falling out, but my vision, I was like, oh, no. It's like, I don't, I need glasses. I couldn't see very well. Then I realized I couldn't see very well alone. It took Lewis. It took living in community to help me see that I couldn't see. It took, it took Lewis seeing that I couldn't see what I thought I could see to help me see what I couldn't see because I thought I could see it. I'm not saying it again. You just got to catch the spirit of it. It probably doesn't even make sense played back. But God answered my prayer and he helped me see the benefit of being together is that when we're together, we can see things that we would never see on our own. It helps us know when our vision isn't as clear as it should be. And we don't understand as well as we could understand because somebody else can see something that we can't see and they'll help us see it. Can I get an amen? amen. Do, do, do you see how the people in your life can help you see better than you can see on your own? Bless God. So that's the benefit of being together. So, so together, Jesus then empowered them to serve. Now, I clarify that he empowered them to serve because I think sometimes we want the power of God, but we forget the purpose of the power, and, and it's to serve. It's to join him in his great mission of establishing the kingdom of God in the earth. And sometimes we're just chasing the power, and we're chasing the outflow of it, but never understanding what it's for and how it's supposed to be applied. Are you tracking? And so he gave them power. It actually, the word for power is dunamis. Dunamis, the word that we get dynamite from. It's that. So when, it, when, when we started blowing stuff up, and they were like, that is a big explosion. There is so much power in that bang. What should we call it? They went back to the word that's used to describe the power that God gives his people. Okay. Just go let that, let that sit for a second. That's the kind of power he wanted to give to his people. But here's the thing. He couldn't give it to just one person. He had to call them together to do it because that kind of power can only be contained by a community. That kind of power can only be entrusted to a people because that kind of power given to one person other than Jesus gets real dangerous. Because it just run off with the dunamis all by themselves for their own benefit. And Jesus is like, no, I'm calling you together so that your heart and your intentions are laid bare so I can share with you the secrets of the kingdom of heaven so that you can be together, so that you can contain what I want to pour out on you as a people. And so he pours out this grace on them to proclaim the gospel and to heal. If being a disciple is nothing else, it's a call to proclaim the kingdom of heaven 
and to be an agent of healing in the earth. Can you imagine what would become possible if, if just this room of people, if we devoted ourselves to that? Can you imagine what would be possible, not if just this room of people, but if, if every church in the city of Denver devoted themselves to that purpose, to proclaim the goodness and the glory of the kingdom of God, that, that people are seen and heard and loved by, by their creator, and that he wants a relationship with us, and he's inviting us to make things new in the world? Can you imagine what would happen if then we also became agents of healing, that it wasn't just with words, but also with power, like Paul says, the kingdom of heaven isn't just words, but of power? and that we walked in power and we believed God for healing. And, and they kind of, like, like, I'm charismatic enough that I'm talking about like legit, like laying hands on somebody and believing for healing in that moment, but also being okay for God to do a long-term miracle in somebody's life. I'm talking about hearing that somebody's ankle or their knee is hurting and praying and believing God to heal them in an instant. But I'm also talking about the patience that comes with pure love. To walk with people in the midst of pain and difficulty and hardship over a long period of time. Can you imagine if that's what the church was known for? Did you know that at times that's what the church has been known for? And that's the only reason she survived. As long as she did. Is because in times and seasons, the people of God aligned with the heart in the kingdom of God. And revival took place among them. Healing came Resurrection came, like hope and joy and peace and, and power and love rose up in people's hearts and people's hearts were healed. Can you imagine if the church devoted themselves to seeing people's hearts healed? What would become possible? I mean, some of us are here today because your heart is hurting and I'm here to let you know that God wants to heal your pain. He wants to meet you in the midst of your difficulty, in the midst of your disappointment, in the midst of your loss, in the midst of your longing. God wants to meet you. That's what this Advent season is all about. It's not, yay, Jesus came, everything's done, it's over, it's better. It's, no, God came and did amazing things. He's still doing amazing things, but the greatest things are yet to come. We like to think, and it's an American dream, not a Christian dream, that we can have it all in this life. The Christian dream is, God's going to meet me in this life. But there's something extraordinary waiting for me on the other side of this one. And I want to be faithful to God and I want to invite as many people as I can to know, trust, and follow him with me so that they can experience the extraordinary thing that's waiting for all of us on the other side of this. And, and I get on this soapbox often, but it's not, it's not heaven with naked baby angels and harps. As we, like, it's, not, it's not that. It's something far more beautiful, something far more meaningful, something far more satisfying than just, just sitting on clouds. It's going to be life as it's always been intended to be. It's the life that we think a political party can usher in. You know, where we're like, oh, the right party is going to take care of all the pain. The right party is going to take care of all of the hurt. The right party is going to be the one that establishes the kingdom of me on the earth. They're going to meet my needs and they're going to meet other people's needs. No, no, no. That's an, that's an eternal longing that God has placed in our hearts because he alone intends to fulfill it. Was that too aggressive? With the, the political thing, I would do, like, just needling in there. Because you know those other people, they are wrong. <laughs> y'all want to have a unifying moment? Y'all all want the same thing. 
Y'all all want the same thing. And it doesn't come because it's not a desire or a longing that comes because you are somehow so morally upright and great. It's because God has placed eternity in the hearts of men and we long for things to be different than they are because he's promised that he would make them different than they are. Otherwise, it makes no sense to dream of something different than it is. All right, that's it. All right. <laughs> so, so God gives us power to proclaim the kingdom and to heal. The proclamation kind of tunes our ears to something, creates an appetite, and the healing satisfies the longing. Does that make sense? And they set, they set one another up. Sometimes healing is what sets the stage for kingdom to, like for us to be ready to hear about a kingdom where God is leading. And so it's not that you have to lead just coming and swinging and preaching the kingdom. It's like, which sometimes we get wrong anyway. Sometimes you lead with healing, and it creates an appetite for the things of the kingdom and the word of the kingdom. It creates a category that can be filled with kingdom thoughts and kingdom people, kingdom purposes. You tracking? So the last thing that Jesus did is he clarified the mission. Now, this is, this is something that gets a lot of attention in Scripture, but, but Jesus tells them not to bring a lot of things. He's like, hey, you're going to go out and you're going to do this thing. Um, and he's, don't take anything for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and don't have two tunics. Uh, one tunic was, like, totally sufficient. Two tunics would have been, like, you know, I got some money. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm pretty good. Like, I'm better than not. Right? He's like, don't worry about the second tunic. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there, depart. Wherever they don't receive you, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So a lot is thought about this, but the reality is at this, at this time, there were a lot of people talking about a lot of things and had a lot of ideas. And, and they, had, they had religious people just like we have religious people, but they didn't have TV and Instagram to proclaim their message from. So they would go from town to house, from town to town, from house to house to communicate their vision. Now, what these people would do is these religious fanatics or these political fanatics, they would go from one house to the next house, and they would take money and goods from each house, and then they would go to another house, and then they would go to another house. It's kind of like uh, if, you, if you know the old musical, the old-time musical, The Music Man, right? So, like, this guy, he sold band instruments and promised to teach the kids how to play them, but he was out of town as soon as he got the money. And he'd send the instruments, but he was, he was out of town. And so they got the instruments, but didn't know how to play them. That's what these people would do. And they'd go from town to town. And so Jesus is saying, hey, because the message of the kingdom is different, you're going to have to do this different. Because the message of the kingdom is unique, you're going to have to approach this with uniqueness. Instead of jumping from house to house, you're going to go and you're going to stay in one house. And you're going to build relationship. Because if you're going to make a disciple, you're going to have to have relationship. If, you're, if your message of the kingdom is going to be credible, they're going to have to see your life. They're going to have to see you when you're happy and when you're sad. They're going to have to see you when you're hangry. They're going to have to see you when you're full of faith and things are going well. And they're going to have to see you when you're frustrated and things didn't go well. They're going to have to see it when you prayed for a miracle and it didn't happen. And they're going to see you when you prayed for a miracle and it did happen. You're going to be an agent of healing and benefit for the house that you stay in and for the community. But in the midst of, in the, in between now and then, you're going to live your life and full view of these people who you're preaching to. I wonder if there's anything about the kingdom of heaven that should be delivered differently in today's age than it's currently delivered. Maybe ways that we communicate that are exactly the same as how everybody else is communicating, but God is calling us to communicate a unique message in a, a unique way. And I don't mean somebody else to do it. I mean you to do it. 
Because that's like the whole point of this whole thing, is that, that here in chapter 9, as the movement of Jesus' ministry, it, there's healing and miracle and power and all these things happening. Now, for the very first time, he's given his people power to go and do the work. It echoes of Genesis chapter 1 and 2, where Jesus gives, gives them the orders to be fruitful and multiply. Because man is bearing his image and he says, be fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth, like steward well the things in the earth. And he's saying, he's saying, I need you to do this because you bear my image and I want my image everywhere. And I want heaven and hell to know who I am by your actions. And then everything falls apart. And then here we are with Jesus again. And he's like, hey, remember back at the beginning? When I invited you to be my people and to reveal the kingdom of heaven everywhere that you went, I want you to go and do the same. I want you to go proclaim the kingdom of God, and I want you to bring healing. But it doesn't just stop here, because at the end of Jesus' ministry, he does it again, and he's never stopped sending people out, you, me, and everyone like us, out to go do the same thing and join him in his great mission of bringing about the kingdom everywhere that we are. Are you tracking? Like, that's really exciting and kind of sobering. It's a massive responsibility if you think that you have to carry it all, but it's a very light responsibility if you realize that the power and the authority is his anyway. Jesus clarified the mission by talking to them about what they would do, but also talking to them about what they wouldn't do. There comes a time in the life of every person, of every disciple of Jesus, of every follower of Jesus, where he or she needs to take up the work of Jesus in their own life. And it's sooner than you think it is. It's always sooner than we think it is. I'm going to say it again. There is a time in the life of every believer where we need to take on to step into and to work in the, the great purposes of God in the earth. And it's always sooner than you think it is. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow, like, subscribe wherever you are listening from. And don't forget to share.